Thank you for that great and wonderful uh, spirit-led praise and the prayer, uh, especially the part Juliana talked about holiness and purity. I was reminding myself that diamond is pure, or most of them. It's not holy. But you know, when the diamond is in darkness, it's, you can't see it. But then when the light shines through it, oh my goodness, it's a beautiful. It glitters and it just shines. And when the God's people see that and say, wow, look what God created. God created light and this so-called crystal rock and creates this beautiful thing, when you begin to uh, love on the Lord because of that, then it becomes holy. It all depends on what's inside of us that we make something out of it. Now, we started this series beginning of this year, today's the second, in a big topic called Make an Impact. How are you doing with making an impact? Are you making an impact? In the past week, somebody made, or a few people made a big impact on my life. They gave me a cold. <laughs> so Tuesday, Wednesday, I was sick as dog. I couldn't really speak, um, and uh, my voice was very coarse, and I stayed home and laying down, and, uh, but I was able to recover. And, um, but that's not kind of impact we're talking about. We're talking about impact onto others. You know, in order for us to do any uh, impact onto others, we need light. We can't do it in darkness. Diamond is totally meaningless in darkness. It doesn't do its job. You need something else with it for it to do its function, and that's the light that's needed for diamond to do its job. We need something, something. Yes, we can make an impact. Huge mistake that we can make an impact to others with the money and status and perhaps some connections. Yeah, some of us think that we can make an impact with others with wisdom and knowledge. Or sometimes we can think of making an impact simply to loving and being a compassionate and just giving our time that we can make an impact. If you're a baseball player, if you want to make an impact, yeah, you need a bat in order to make an impact. But the lasting impact that will do its job like diamond needs light is the light that's inside of us that will emanate through us. Luke 11.35. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. If inside of us, if you don't have the light that shines, that can make others to shine to other things in our lives, to its function, then it's meaningless. Did you hear about the story that I often tell in my uh, messages about a girl who went to Sunday school? came back from kindergarten, uh, Sunday school, and come home and says, Mom, I'm all confused. What's the matter? Well, the pastor told me that God is within inside of us. Is that for sure? Yes, God is inside of us. 
But what I'm confused about, Mom, is that the pastor also said that God is much, much, much bigger than us. Is that true? Of course, God is huge. He's really, really big. But the problem is, Mom, if God is inside of us and God is much bigger than us, how come we don't see him through us? Mom said, can you imagine if you're a mom or dad? Mom must have been filled. The only conclusion we can make it is, I failed to make an impact of that light in the girl through our lives. So how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, we often take light that we see for granted because it seems to be there all the time for free. Just like we take air for granted. How many of you take air for granted? Try to live without it for three minutes. You're dead. (laughs) What about light? In three minutes, will we die? Perhaps not. But this is what the study says. If you don't have light, if you are stuck in a darkness, like a cave, and there's not, a, not a, any light, and you're stuck in there, first of all, you go crazy. <laughs> Second, you lose sense of time. The study has revealed that if you're in, when you're in a darkness, you can sleep. Young people may like that. You can sleep 30 to 48 hours at a time, and you still feel you're sleep deprived. That is because the eyes needs light for it to do its function to regulate our body. The study continues to show they have actually put people in a dark setting for days, for months. When you are totally isolated from darkness, we face blink of insanity. In other words, we need light. Just like we need air, we need the light to stabilize our emotion, to sustain our body's activities, to keep our minds sharp. Our body will not function, our soul, our mind will not function without light. You know, you put in this cave with no light, and, and you are fed with this great uh, uh, steak and potatoes. You can eat all you want. If you don't have light, you cannot function. Nobody wants to live in darkness. Everybody wants to make an impact. The other day I was talking with someone in our church who were talking about the next step in life. And the person's response was simply, I'm praying so that I can make impact. Whatever God leads me to make an impact, that's where I'll be. You know, parents wants to make an impact with their kids. Teachers wants to make an impact with their students. Coaches with the players. Cities wants to make impact with their residents, countries, with their citizens, 
We want to make an impact. You want to make an impact. I want to make an impact. So how do we think to make an impact? We normally think, well, if we can encourage someone, yes, we can push and, 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 and teach them, can lead them, can help them. We can uh, have a reconciliation. We can give a forgiveness to make an impact. We can rescue somebody from harm to make an impact. Or we can give up something for the other person so you can make an impact. There are many ways you can make an impact. But the eternal impact that you make is not from this. Eternal impact you make is the light that's inside of us that God has given to us, how you use it, how you shine it onto others. In other words, you need the light to make an impact. This series, Make an Impact, the theme scripture is Matthew 5.16 that we read last week. In the same way, let your light shine before others. It says clearly, before others, not just for yourself, before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We need comfort. When we're in trouble, we need encouragement when we're, in, when we're down. But we, as people, the believers who have received the light, the Christ himself, we are to shine that unto others. And when we do that, we'll find the comfort, encouragement that we need. 1 John 1, 5 says this. It defines what the light is, or the who the light is. It is the light, that God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. You see, the moment you proclaim that you receive Christ as your personal Savior, or the moment you baptize, some people think something's going to happen. The moment we're going to be baptizing a few people at the end of this month, and uh, people do ask me during the pre-session, so what happens to the, the actual moment when I get baptized? Does earth shake? <laughs> something happened? Yeah, of course it shakes. <laughs> it shakes inside of you. When you get baptized, when you receive him, him and for the first time, as a personal savior, what happens is God, at that moment, lights a lot of tiny light inside of you. That tiny light could be huge, could be as bright as sun, depending on how you decide to use the light onto others. So the light is God. Also, Scripture says that the light is Jesus, John 18, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light that's inside of us, the Holy Spirit that's within us will never go out. You should never assume that the light went out. When you're going through some tough times, the struggles, some betrayals, whatever that you're going through, even lack of money, whatever the case may be, don't let, don't you ever think that light has gone 
it's there. The light is there. The Holy Spirit is there. You just need to take it out. God is this light. Jesus is this light. And the Holy Spirit is this light, according to Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the Holy Spirit. The Lord is the light. Therefore, Holy Spirit is light. You learn that from the math, right? It's called association. So when you have this light, we now have the freedom. We're no longer consumed by darkness. And this is the grace. It's the salvation. Receiving this light. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light. And what? My salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I afraid? be afraid? Don't you ever be afraid of anything. Yeah, there may be a moment of a little bit of hesitation, but don't let that light go out on you. Because God will never fail you. He will not put that light inside of you out. But don't ever assume, don't ever think that you no longer have that light inside of you. So now you understand. When Scripture says, let your light shine before others. Well, let's study this light a bit more. This is how God aligns and identifies himself with the light. You need to understand the nature of light that is associated with God. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created two different types of lights to shine on earth. Two different types of lights. One is physical lights, and the second is spiritual light. And God made very clear distinction between these two types of lights. So let's start with the physical light that God created. When he created the sun, moon, and all sorts of stars. And he did it on the fourth day. That's the key, on the fourth day. So Genesis 1, 14 and 19, read this carefully. I know this is scripture that you have read or you assume you know. And this is where the powerful God's wondrous mystery is hidden. Even though it's hidden, when you receive light, you begin to understand the light. Verse 14 says, And God said, Let there be light in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. You understand we got that. And then, and let them serve as sign to mark seasons and days and years. Verse 15, And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. Verse 16, God made two great lights, 
the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. Verse 17, God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. 18, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. And it was what? Is it first day or fourth day? Bible says it's a fourth day. You know, I didn't get this until I was in the hospital like 25 some years ago. When I, when I read Genesis, and I start the Bible reading that, that chapter, oh, chapter Genesis, chapter 1, verse beginning 1, in the beginning, God created heaven. I know this stuff. You just, you just go right through it, thinking that you're going to get something, some other uh, uh, revelation from God and other uh, verses because you think we already know. That's exactly what I did. When you read it very carefully, this is amazing. It's the fourth day. The question is, what did God create on the first day? You want to look at the scripture? Let's look at the scripture. So let's go back. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 4. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Did he create sun and moon and a star on the first day? He created again on the fourth day? That doesn't make any sense. But the fourth day was very clear. That's the day that he created sun, the moon, and the stars. How could this be? That's because God himself is light. God does not need Light. Because he himself is light. He shined himself, his light, on earth that day to give his presence, perhaps his blessing. First John 1 John 1.5. God is light. Let me remind you. Scripture. First John 1 John 1.5. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Which means, when we have him, we have no darkness. Whatever trouble, sufferings, challenge you're facing right now, don't think of it as a darkness. Think of it as a step to the next chapter. For the first three days, until that he created the real sun, moon, and stars on the fourth day, he God was the light onto the earth. Revelation 22, 5 says, There will be no more night. There will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. First three days, God created the light, meaning he shined, he shone himself, his light onto earth so that we can receive the light. So God's, the spirit was hovering over <coughs> on earth. Not just darkness, but the light also was 
present. So when our scripture for this series says, let your light shine, God is referring to the believers who have received the very light he created on the first day. For us to, once we receive it, for us to do the same thing. Shine that light onto others. Today, let's just look at one more thing. How do we shine how do we need to shine so that others can receive the light? The act of reaching out, shining this light onto others is called evangelism. Remember, ultimate goal, ultimate purpose of making an impact is evangelism. So that we can shine what we know onto others. So that we can give them hope. So you want to shine, right? Yes? Say you come across someone who needs this light. And you say to the person, hey, what's up? And he responds by saying, all right, but I'm really tired of life. You haven't heard that before in the past, right? You say, okay. But you say to yourself, what an opportunity to make an impact. So you say, you say to him, well, tell me about it. And this person goes to tell you about his story, his issues, his problems, his disappointments, his betrayals, that he has really nothing to live for. And you go along with him and say, yeah, I've been there before. And his face kind of turns uh, with some curiosity as if he's asking to tell you to tell him more about your story. So you tell your stories. I've got lots of stories to tell. Then he asks you, you look great. How did you turn it around? Then you hesitate a bit. You hesitate intentionally. And you say, well, I allow God to change my life. And he has this face saying, what else is in you? I've heard that before. And refutes by saying, how can you believe in this thing called Bible? The story don't make any sense. How, you know, this is the son of God who is dead and he was raised from the dead and the parting of the sea and, and, and the water gushing out of the rock and, 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 and uh, food, the manna coming down from the sky. How can you prove it? How can you believe in that kind of uh, uh, fiction? Now it's your chance to shine. What do you do? Remember, you've got to go into this person's brain, not your brain. 
If you're really caring somebody, you've got to get into that person's brain. You, everybody knows how to do that. Because we're adults, a lot of us are adults, when you're uh, working with or playing with this uh, toddler, what do we do? You go inside of their brain. That's the only way you're going to be able to relate. You try to be in your wavelength, they're not going to communicate with you. So you've got to go into their brain. Beginning, meaning you need to begin to relate to this God. After all, that's what God did to us. We're like a toddler. We're like, didn't know anything what's going on. So God sent his son to us to be able to relate with us. God got into our brain. Boy, if I just tell them I'm the God, the almighty God, they're not going to believe me. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to put it into flesh. I'm going to send my son so that these people, us, can relate to, to, to myself. And go through the same kind of suffering and betrayal that uh, you guys are going through. So you can relate. That's exactly what God did. So that's what we need to do. But if you say, forgetting all that, and just say, keep in, just thinking your uh, uh, brain, and says, well, that's what the Bible says. You've got to believe. You have just flopped. You have just failed to make an impact. You lost a chance to shine before him, let alone be able to relate to this person. Remember today's generation? It doesn't really matter. Today's generation, millennials or older people, today's people, they lean towards the facts and proofs than the faith and beliefs, or even obedience. People of an older generations, we grew up with so-called obedience, Sometimes it's just blank obedience. It worked. But today, they need facts and proofs for them to be able to obey. It would have been far better to make an impact if you say, do you believe in the context of American history? It's written in the textbook. This person probably say, yes, of course I believe. Then you say, how do you know that they are factual? And most likely, this person would say, because it was written by historians. Oh, you say, then what do historians do? And this guy is pretty smart. He says, well, they study the writings of the past and compares the notes and if the writing is consistent with other writers and they agree as being factual and that goes into and they go into the textbook and you said that's precisely how the histories are written then you approach him a little closer with an excitement and say what about bible what do you think Bible is? He would reply, it's a fiction. It's not a fact. You can't prove it. You say, well, history books don't prove anything. It's all based on the writings as witnessed by many at that time. You'll probably say, well, that's, that's true. Then you lean over even closer to him and say, 
Let me let you in on a secret. And he looks up and says, okay, tell me what's the secret. The Bible is also a history book. And the guy would say, no way. And you say, let me explain. Would you like to hear? Always ask the question, would you like to hear? He says, of course. Then you go on and explain about the Bible. How Bible was canonized, that it was pretty much the same way a historian would document history. Canonization is a process by which community of God's people, there will be historians of theology, they come together to accept certain scriptures as a divinely inspired and authoritative. There are so many writings about what happened to Jesus and the Old Testament, written by so many people. These historians of theology, they studied all of them. They sold out and showed the most consistency shown by different writers. They were written over a span of 1,500 years. The authors came from every walk of life, from the kings to peasants to philosophers and fishermen and poets, statesmen and scholars. It was written in three different continents and three different languages. Yet showing a thread of continuity from Genesis to Revelation, it was the complete consistency as history, as fact. And they were inspired by God. And you tell him, his resurrection, for example, was witnessed by hundreds of people and was documented. In addition, Jesus did so much work of ministry, so much is written, that even the Bible records it this way. You want to hear it? It says, John 21, 24, verse 22. 24, 25, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down, and we know that his testimony is true. Verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the entire world, the whole world, would have not enough room for the books that would be written. You know, if you go to a Vatican that's in Italy, in Rome, they have this vault. When I went to a class in the seminary, they explained to me, they have a vault. They said, the vault is huge. I forgot exactly how big it is. It's huge, maybe as big as this. It's piled with so-called scripture that is not in the Bible. There's so much written about the Jesus and Old Testament. It is the historians of the theology, the scholars. They sort them all out. They read everything. And everything that is consistent with other writings, different language, that confirms, that affirms what is being said, it's in here. That everything that is contained in the vault, they extracted, condensed to this. And you tell them, I want you to know, it's a history book. 
not a fiction. It's really the Word of God as witnessed by so many writers. And because He is real, it's work of living God. And therefore, Bible is about the history, it's about the past, it's about present, and it's about future. That's what you tell me. That's how you make an impact. That's how we shine the light that we received, the grace that we received before others. You shine with a conviction and you need knowledge. You need to equip. That's why the Word of God is very, very powerful. Amen. Let me read our scripture one more time. In the same way, let your light, let your light shine before others. That's make an impact. That's to, to reach out that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's make some impact in the lives of others, not just, uh, not just imposing our wills, but the shining, the very light our Savior has given to us.